Well, the 21st of June is the longest day of the year. It's known as the summer solstice. And on the line, I have Dara Malloy. Uh, Dara is a Celtic priest on the Aran Islands, very au fait with all things Celtic, especially in the area of Celtic spirituality and Celtic traditions. Dara, welcome to the show. Good morning, Jim. Great to talk to you. Good to talk to you too, Dara. Kegulto. Dara, um, a Celtic priest of the Iron Islands, could you tell us how you got there? Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> that was <laughs> well, a long story. Back, it, well, I'll make it a short story, Jim, or we'll be here all day. But, okay. Uh, I began, I suppose, my adult life as a Catholic priest. I joined the Marist Fathers, the Society of Mary. I was appointed to a school in Dundalk to teach secondary school. And... Um, Eventually, I got very obsessed with myself, I suppose, around the way I was living. Like I was living in a very institutionalized setup. You know, people were cooking their meals for me. People were paying bills for me. I didn't have to worry about the thing except that fly by classes the next day. But I felt sort of spiritually suffocated, which is a bit like ironic, if you like, when I, you know, you join the priesthood, I suppose, to be spiritually liberated, maybe. Anyway, I felt the opposite. So I eventually... Just through a bit of chance moving around, I discovered Inishmore, Aran Islands, and I saw there all the ancient monastic remains on the island. Anybody who's been to Inishmore, they're all over the island. There's uh, lots of monastic ruins of every kind there. Holy wells, standing stones, Celtic crosses. Of course, St. Denda would have been the great saint. Nevena, though. St. Denda, Nevena was the great saint there, but actually we have about 12 saints associated with the island, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Like, it's amazing. Try to add a few more, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're maybe you're in the canon yourself at this stage. <laughs> not yet. No, no. No, the makeup story is about you after you die. You okay. A haggy, a hagiography. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Just, doesn't have to be the truth. Anyway, um, I discovered all this on the Iron Islands, and I said, gee, because I'd like to live a lifestyle like those monks lived out in the open air, out, uh, uh, you know, experiencing all the elements and also the island itself, as it is today, being rooted in that ancient heritage with the Irish language and so many other traditions kept alive right. on the island, including Bonfire Night, the 21st of June, which is coming up. That's right. And I suppose just what are the, uh, the distinguishing, say, features, uh, the, what distinguished the Celtic Church, we'll say, from the, from the Roman Church? Well, I suppose the primary row was about the date of Easter, but there was much more to it than that. Well, that's that's this that's like a doctor, you know, trying to treat the sim trying to treat the symptom where the cause is much much deeper. Yeah. The Celtic the Celtic monks were mystics, uh-huh. and that means that they focus their attention on experiencing the divine. Okay. So you know, while the rest of Europe in the medieval times was arguing over you know how many angels you can fit on the top of a pin, yeah. and it was all heady stuff. It was you have to believe in this, that, the other, or you're a heretic. The Irish monks had no time for any of that intellectual argument. They were interested in living in such a way and living in such a place that they could get a rich experience of the divine. That's what it was all about. So it was living out in nature in a way and being very in touch with all these different uh, life energizing elements of nature. Great. So so you moved then to the Iron Islands and you set up a a kind of a retreat centre that and and a centre for reflection. Was that how it started? Well, actually, I went out there to be a hermit, just like the early Christian monks. And if you take, like, I suppose the most well-known might be St. Kevin of Glendalough. He went and he lived on his own. And after a while, then other people wanted to join him. And so he set up a monastery. So I went and I lived on my own. 
And after about six months, people came and knocked on my door and asked, could they sort of hang around for a bit and try to live this lifestyle as well? So gradually things developed. Now, I never set up an institutionalized community because that's what I'd left. And okay. I wasn't going back to that. Um, but I did facilitate people to sort of follow their own journey in the way that I had done so too. So people came and people went. And I ended up running this house of hospitality for 10 years while, while living outside in my own little wooden hut outside the house. Okay. And and people came and experienced it and some stayed. And um, and and it was about uh, around the, the mid-90s then you decided to, to make a break, say, with, with, with Catholicism itself. Yeah, I suppose, you know, initially in my naivety, I thought that we could develop the whole Celtic Christian uh, idea within Roman Catholicism and make it just, you know, integrated more into, say, Irish Catholicism. But gradually I realised that actually they're at polar opposites. The The Roman Church is a globalised church um, that's all over the world, uh, whereas the Celtic tradition is actually very integrated locally with the place and with the with the heritage and so on. So... They're, they're sort of polar opposites. I realised they weren't reconcilable, so I had then had to make a choice, and I chose then the, the Celtic tradition, and I've been a sort of freelance Celtic priest, monk, druid, you give me a name, whatever you like, um, within that tradition since then, yeah. Uh, and uh, a brave step it was too. And tell me, Dara, let's, uh, to, we're talking now about, uh, I suppose, the 21st of June and I suppose also the 23rd of June, which is St. John's yeah. Eve. So what does yeah. the summer solstice signify in the Celtic tradition? OK, well, sir, first of all, you know, you observe that the sun every day at this time of year is getting higher and higher in the sky around noon. Or if you look out at the dawn sun or the, or the sunset, mm-hmm. it's moving further north every day. And then at a certain point, it stops. And that's the solstice, the, the, the Latin look for it is you know the, the solstice is the latin version of that the the sun staying still in the sky for two to three days and then it begins to decline and, and go back south again or go lower in the sky at midday so that's that's the basis and in all indigenous traditions and the celtic tradition is no different peoples observe things like that and then they they put a story on it or they give a meaning to it mm-hmm. and um so that's that's what that's what that's what happened in the Celtic tradition. They began to see it as the high point of the summer. They began to create rituals around it, and one of those rituals is what happens at least on the Iron Islands and other places as well, uh, called Bonfire Night on the twenty third of June. And that's Saint uh, Saint John's Eve, uh, because I remember Saint John's Eve. when I went to move to the West first, I had never experienced to say in Limerick there wasn't a wasn't a bonfire night that we we observed when I was growing up. Mm. But it's, it's significant in the sense it's Saint John the Baptist's uh, birthday, is it? Yes, it's uh, it's the eve of Saint John the Baptist's birthday. So the birthday is the twenty fourth. And if you link that then to the birthday of Jesus, which is the 25th of December, they're six months apart and they're at the two solstices, one at the summer and one at the winter. And I have a feeling that that was put into the calendar um, by the Celtic monks, because that's what they would have been interested in, 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 in stitching in their beliefs, uh, the Christian, Christian beliefs, into what's going on in the cosmos and in the environment, the natural environment around them. Uh-huh. So... I think they probably decided to celebrate, uh, you know, John's birthday at midsummer and the birthday of Jesus at midwinter. And then maybe the whole church took over that idea later on, because obviously we don't know the birthdays of these people. So somebody had to invent a date 
Yeah. And I think my suspicion is it was the Celtic monks who did it. Yes. <laughs> Jim Collins, yeah. my, my colleague here, wants to have a word with you, Dara. Hi, Dara. Yeah, How Jim. are you? Sure. Good sure, to talk no bother. to you. Dara, yeah. I'm just, you mentioned the the preponderance of monuments on the island going back at the start of the interview. Um, and looking at, I, I was looking recently at uh, what probably is some kind of a stone circle or a stone enclosure down in Whitegate, which has never been um, never been investigated or, or, or never, no dig has ever taken place there. But quite often, other ones I've seen, the, the sun and the rising sun obviously had a great influence on some of the rituals that were carried out by, we'll say, pre our prehistoric ancestors. And in many cases, the openings into these for whatever the ritual was points at the rising sun and points at presumably the rising sun on the, the longest day of the year. Yes, that could be the case. I mean, we'd have to actually go there to find that out, wouldn't we? And has anybody locally found it out for you to be definite about it? No, it's it's just something that has been, I suppose, uncovered by a, by a local man, one of our own people here in the radio recently. But I remember visiting one that has been looked at in the burn, not too far from Palnebron. And again, the the what is obviously the opening into this stone circle is pointing uh, to the east where the sun rises during the summer. Yeah, well, a, a lot of these earlier monuments were aligned with either the sunrise or the sunset or, or, or solstice or or maybe maybe the planet Venus, um, you know, the stars. They were these these earlier peoples were amazing stargazers and they didn't have light pollution like we have today. So they could see the stars from wherever they were living. And um, mm-hmm. they were quite extraordinary. And also in their working out of the mathematics, I mean, the mathematics of building a place like Newgrange. So that it's aligned to the to the rising sun on the shortest day of the year. That that to me is, is extraordinary. Even in today's world, it would be extraordinary. And I so, Darren, one of the things we were you know we were chatting yesterday. You mentioned that, and I suppose it's true that this is the height of the summer, and I suppose it's turning the face towards the harvest as well, turning the face towards the bounty of the earth. Yes, well, I mean, you know, in the whole Celtic, if you take the um, the Celtic cross. Mm-hmm which I believe was uh, something that was used by the pre-Christian Irish people before, long before Christianity. Just the circle and the cross inside it, that bit of it, not, not the Christian bit of it, which is sort of has a longer stem. Um, that, that image, you know, could, well, the circle itself could represent it's just the cycle of the year and yes. the year is rolling by. And then the, the cross inside it would represent the four elements, the four seasons, the four directions, north, south, east and west. You know, so... This is this is the world in which those Celtic people lived. They lived, you know, very aware of the cycle of the year, very aware of the different seasons, rituals to celebrate the beginning of each new season, rituals to celebrate the equinox and the solstices. That's how they lived. It was their wheel of life. Okay. And, and every season had a different uh, different energy to it. And uh, so mm. they marked the entrance into that season with some type of a ritual. And I suppose one of the things that, and even uh, I, I remember 20 and 30 years ago, just that, that there was a great confluence and a great kind of, uh, if, if you like, uh, coming together between the uh, Celtic spirituality and ecology before the whole uh, um, environmental movement even took off. So th- there is a great intersection between, say, living in right relationship with the planet as part, as a core part of, of Celtic spirituality. Isn't that so? 
Oh, very much so. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we, we live in a world where where God in heaven is the dominant God of the world, you know, and uh, it's it's sort of putting the sacred up out, outside of even space. Um, whereas these earlier indigenous people, including the indigenous Irish, um, experienced the divine outside their front door, everywhere, in the trees, in the animals, in the sunrise, in the seasons, in the weather, in everything. So, you know, the, the sacred was all around them. And um, and that means the sacred was in everything in nature. And if, if you regard everything in nature as having a sacred uh, element to it, then you then you respect it and you mind it, and you don't treat it the way we're treating it today. Okay. okay. Yeah, we we're living here, I suppose, uh, here in East Clare, where the sun. Um, you know, obviously played such an important part because we live, we're, our studio is here about a mile from Tum Grania, which is Grania yeah. or on Green. The River Grainy, there's a local place, Derra Grainy, and there's Loch Grainy. Um, mm. Which which is all to do with the sun, with the sun, yeah, yeah lovely, with, yeah, with the positioning of, of of the sun. We look out on on Inish Keltra on Holy Island here, um, right? Of course, which is wonderful, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, could could I say something to Jim just yes, because Dara. we might miss it if I don't say it now? That there's a wonderful um, interweaving of the gospel into the uh, St John's Eve festival, right? Do you mind if I explain that? You yet? can go right ahead. Okay, so, well, if you take Luke's gospel, you have to be a sort of a gospel scholar, maybe, to, to yeah. discover these things. But uh, somebody said it to me, and I said, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. So in in uh, in Luke's gospel, you have a little bit of a story about John the Baptist. And, of course, you have stories about Jesus and how the two were interrelated and how, you know, Mary, when she discovered she was pregnant, she went to stay with John's mother. And so the two of them were pregnant. But John was born first. So he's born six months before Jesus, according to the, the Luke's gospel. So there's the first clue as to where you put the two birth dates. You put them six months apart because Luke's gospel says so. Right. But then the other thing is in Luke's gospel, later on, the two of them grow up and Jesus goes to meet John out in the out in the desert. And uh, somebody says to John, what do you think of Jesus? And John says, well, he must increase and I must decrease. Right. Now, if you think of that in terms of the summer solstice and the winter solstice, after the summer solstice, the sun is at its highest, it's going to go down, it's going to decrease. That's John. Right. And in the winter solstice, the sun is at its lowest. After the 25th of December, it's going to start going up. That's Jesus increasing. So they managed to stitch that Christian narrative from the gospel into the cosmos, which is a wonderful example of how indigenous peoples stitch meaning into their environment so that it speaks back to them as right. the year goes by. They, the, the environment itself tells the story that they believe in. Dara, we'll finish with that and a wonderful note there uh, mm. as to how that all came together. And yeah. I, listen, uh, thank you very much for taking uh, taking the call and for, for sharing your wisdom with us and sharing your <laughs> unique perspective with us. And um, it was lovely to connect with you again and to chat to you again. And thanks very much, Jim. And m- my privilege too, I must say. Very enjoyed. Very uh, enjoyable. Thank you. Thanks a million, Dara. I'm going to go to the next one. 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 I'm going to go